are you doing, Life Center? It is such a treat and such an honor to be sharing with all of our campuses today. So I want to give out a shout out to uh, my Cornwall campus. How are you all doing today? It's good to be speaking to you. The backdrop looks the same, doesn't it? More like Jesus. So we're here together, uh, worshiping together. Canada, it's great to be speaking with you today in Orleans. I'd like to say it's an honor to see all of you in the house today, but the houses are spread throughout our city, which means it's an awesome time for us to be gathering together. Why? Because no matter whether we're meeting in person, whether we're using the technology that's been uh, inspired by people to, to make it available for us to connect, we can still do that. We can meet together in order to worship Jesus, to learn about who God is. And like our series has been all about, we can learn to lead more like Jesus and look more like Jesus. Absolutely wonderful to be joining with you today. Now last week, uh, we spoke about leading well when our inner world, the stillness and the Sabbath and simplicity is ordered and our outer world then has as few of the big gaps as possible. And how when we have that inner world in alignment with who God is and what he wants us to be and who he wants us to be, it allows for that outside world not to be different than that. Where we're, we're hypocritical in who we are from the inside outside. And it happens like that, inside out. We can't have the outside of who we are looking all great and then think we can try and clean up the inside later. It just doesn't work that way. We need the Holy Spirit, to work on who we are inside, to cleanse our hearts, to continue to develop who we are. A big word, sanctification. Looking at how God is growing us and changing us by his spirit and by his word so that how we act in public, how we act with others matches. And that's how we lead well. Now today we want to look at how do we deal with pressure? What comes out of us in crisis? And how Jesus can lead us through it. Now, when I was preparing this message, I was thinking, man, if only there was a crisis or pressure situation that everyone could relate to. If only there was something that, you know, almost like globally, we all have been under the same pressure and feelings and trying to figure out how to, how to navigate it. You know, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure you know that pressure and that crisis that has been affecting all of us. And today's message can speak directly to that. It can speak directly to how we, as followers of Jesus, lead ourselves, lead our families, lead in our communities through a crisis. It can also speak to how Jesus needs to lead us and how we need to submit to that leadership. And now I don't want to make light of that uh, current crisis and pressure situation that we're dealing with. But I also know that there's so many different types of pressure situations and crises that we go through. And while one may seem like a major crisis to one person, it may seem trivial to another because their circumstances and who they are is different and they can handle that situation no problem. And, but then the other thing can come around and that person can have a crisis that the other person was, was looking at them and wondering, why is it so hard for them to deal with this? Because we all deal with crises. We all deal with pressure in different ways and different types of crises and pressures affect us differently. And at the risk of, uh, of making myself 
look uh, weak or, uh, well, let's put it this way. In Cornwall last Sunday, as I was speaking, the group there was, was so happy to hear some of the personal stories I was sharing about uh, losing my eyebrows as a young child as I played with fire too closely. And they were hoping that I would tell more personal stories in order to uh, help them relate to who I am and how, how uh, the messages is coming across. And today, I've got another personal story that I hope you won't feel as making light of crises and pressure, but at the same time, be able to draw uh, some illustrations from it. See, just this Thursday, um, this was a day that ended up having a lot of pressure and crises or whatever you want to say, something like that for me. It started off the days like no, any other day. It's a, it's a work day for me. And so uh, I had a meeting that I was, I was, I was going to go to and be a part of. And it was a meeting for future plans for Life Center and, you know, us setting out our strategies for the next year. And we have an amazing team that is so prayerfully working so hard to look and, and navigate what it looks like to come out of uh, this current pandemic and how do we lead well in that. And so I was presenting during that meeting some of the, the thoughts and ideas that I had for some of the things I'm responsible for. And like I said, our team is absolutely amazing and they're so supportive. And yet you still go in going, I sure hope what they like what I'm about to present. I sure hope that they're on board and they're ready to cheer it on and, and that it's, it's, it's met with approval. So you have that little bit of anticipation. Your nerves are a little bit higher as you go into a meeting like that. And uh, so that started the day. And then it quickly turned into everything. Everything ended up being fine with that. And it was great. Just like I should have anticipated and expected. And then it turned into, oh, and by the way, Jeff, we want you to preach in all of our campuses today. And I'm like, oh, okay. Wasn't anticipating that. But that's fine. We can do that. And then later in the day, I had a doctor's appointment. And this doctor's appointment uh, was because uh, just during COVID season, I had this little mark on my arm that seemed to grow a little bigger. And I was like, I really need to get that checked out. And so I, go to the, I have to go to the doctor to do that. And, and the doctor's taking a look at it and, and checking it out. And they're like, you know what? Yeah, definitely we should, we should look into this. And so they're like, do you mind if we do like a little, uh, we do a biopsy here. What, what I'll do is I'll just make a little incision, cut in, and then, uh, you know, just take a little look and see, see everything's good and everything like that. And you know what? Even right now talking about it makes me just feel a little lightheaded. And that's exactly what happened in that time, in the, the appointment. I'm sitting there and I'm like, it's fine. We got this. No problem. She'll be, I'll just give you a little needle. It'll feel like, you know, nothing. You'll be fine. You'll be good. It'll be great. You'll be fine. It'll be no problem. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. I got this. And so I'm sitting there and she gets at the needle. She puts the needle in and she's like, everything good? And I'm like, yeah. Whew, I'll just look away, right? I don't need to pay attention to this. I can do this fine, right? And she's sitting there, and all of a sudden, the room's starting to get really dark for me, like really dark. And I'm like, oh, boy, getting sweats, not feeling good. The next thing I know, there's not just the doctor in the room. There's three people in the room. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like hot and sweaty and clammy. And I'm like, oh, no, I just passed out. I just passed out. Whether it was the pressure of what is, what is this mark on my arm? Is it something serious? Is it not? The crisis, the pressure of that moment, it just got to me. And I was sitting there and I'm like in the cold, wet, sweaty, clammy feeling. And I'm also feeling slightly embarrassed. 
I'm like, I can't believe this happened. All these nurses and doctors are there, and they're like, are you okay, sir? Can you, can you say a word? Can you say something? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> That's the only word I said. And they're like, can you say some more words? And I'm like, what more words would you like me to say? Because inside, I'm just feeling this, like, defeated, I've caved to the pressure, I've caved to this crisis moment, and I'm like, I can't believe this has happened to me. And they're like, it's okay, don't worry about it, everything's fine. And I'm like, I'm just sitting there going, ah, why? Why did this have to happen? Why in this moment did I need to go through this? Why, God, couldn't I just, you know, tough it out and be fine? And yet, no, no, no. I had to be there, passed out in front of the doctor and the nurses. And I'm like, how long was I out? And they're like, oh, for, you know, a minute, minute and a half. No big deal, though. You're fine. You're fine. Didn't feel fine. Here's the thing. Crisis reveals what in the calm is concealed. Because I went into that moment and I'm thinking, I'm going to be fine. A little needle, I can look away. I've gotten vaccines. I've gotten, I had surgery on my knee to repair my ACL. I'll be fine. But as soon as that needle prick hit, and I don't know if my mind started thinking about the what ifs and what could be. And isn't that what pressure usually does? Crisis usually does. It starts making us think about all the what ifs and what could be's. And, and not thinking of, of standing on solid ground, but all, all the crazy things that could or couldn't be. If in that moment my brain was like, I don't know how to handle this, so I'm shutting you down. Because that's what happened. And so there I am, shut down, trying to figure out what's going on. And the doctor needs to help me. And today we're talking about that crisis, how crisis reveals what in the calm is concealed. Because Jesus and his disciples, they dealt with something so similar to this. Obviously it wasn't a a needle freezing a little spot on your arm. She didn't actually even do anything yet. All she did was put the needle in to freeze my arm. And I'm like, oh man, how come? All right, enough of, enough of my story here. Let's, let's pick up the story of what Jesus was going through with his disciples. Because they had a moment of crisis too. And we can learn from them and Jesus how he leads us through these things. Because Jesus, he had been feeding, uh, speaking to some people. Uh, and he had, he had just finished feeding 5,000 people f- bread and fish and taking care of them in a miraculous way. And he wants to send his disciples across the lake. And he does so. He sends them off ahead. And he is going to stay up on the mountain and pray for a little bit. And this is what happens. Let's pick up the story here. Okay, in Matthew chapter 14, it says this. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And this is right after feeding 5,000. And while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. And that'd be somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, Is it a ghost? And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And we can see here 
the fear in the storm and Jesus walking on water produces this crisis moment for the disciples. It reveals in them their humanity. Jesus said they were going to go to the other side. He sent them to the other side. But here, between here and there, between leaving on that boat and getting to the other side, and where we are, where we often can be in the middle of crisis, that's where God seems to grow us. Right? They, were, they were fine on the shore. They go out into the boat. The storm hits. And it's in those moments that God seems to want to grow us. And that's often where the crisis is. And here's the thing. God knows that. God knows that. You see, leading in crisis requires vision. Leading in crisis requires vision. For Jesus, leading the disciples, he made them go to the other side. If you, if you re- remember what we, we led with in that scripture, Jesus sent them ahead of himself. He knew what was coming and he told them to still go. He wouldn't have been caught off guard by the, the, store, the storm. He wouldn't have been caught off guard by opposition they were faced, the, the wind coming against them, the waves coming against them, and he still led them into it. They're terrified in the emotions that they feel. They, they're terrified by what's going on. They're saying Jesus is a ghost. And in those two things, they're letting their emotions and the wrong perception of God lead them. Their vision was of what happened, what was happening, and, and it, I can say this again. The vision of what they were, they were working off of was from the storm and not Jesus. It was being formed by crisis, not Christ. And just like me sitting in that doctor's office, looking away as she put the needle in my arm, my vision of what was happening in that moment was not based in going, the doctor knows what they're doing. Everything's going to be fine. The, my, my vision of what was happening was based off of a needle going into my arm. A smallest little needle, but I guess in my head it was like a giant needle that was going to destroy me. That crisis was, being, uh, was where my vision was. And isn't that true of how we often present or, or go into crises? We allow the crisis moment to be right in front of us instead of Jesus. And here's the thing, being terrified is never the proper response to being in God's presence or allowing God to lead us. The fear of the Lord is the proper response. Now the fear of the Lord, that's not terror, that's not afraid. The fear of the Lord is not actually an emotion. Even though we use that word fear, it's not really an emotion what we're talking about. It is trusting God to define good from evil. Trusting that his narrow road leads to flourishing. It's in submitting and coming under the authority of Christ in following by trusting through obedience his word. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's this healthy respect that he's God and we're not. That he knows and we don't. And we submit to him in that. Leading in crisis requires authority. See, Jesus speaks and acts clearly and authoritatively. Now, here's the thing. There's different voices in leadership. And the voices we listen to in crisis, they need to have that authority to lead us through it. Me sitting in that doctor's office, and I'm sitting there listening to the doctor. Well, 
as I came to and I got over my, my passing out, I'm listening to the doctor and the doctor's trying to instruct me on what to do next. And as I'm sitting there, we, we need to lay you down, sir. And you need to have some juice and you need to just elevate your feet. And I needed to listen to the doctor in order to work through my little mini crisis. And it can happen the same for all of us. When something bad is happening, we need to listen to a clear and authoritative voice in order to know what to do. Now, oftentimes that voice is different in different types of crisis. If your house is on fire, you want a fireman to tell you exactly what to do. You need to stop, drop, and roll. You need to take care of things. In a counseling situation, you need a different type of authority to walk you through what's going on. But we all need an authoritative voice to lead us through. And even as the church, as people in the church, as followers of Jesus in our leadership, if in our leading everything is a crisis, if everything is the the sky is falling, if everything is we need to deal with this right now and it's a crisis moment that needs every bit of our attention, then people will tune us out because they'll quickly realize that not everything is a crisis. But then on the other hand, if nothing is a crisis, if we're just calm, cool, and collected about everything and nothing can phase us, then people may tune us out as well. Because the crises that they're going through are real and need to be addressed. The disciples, they're in a crisis. And so how does Jesus respond to them? How does he respond to us in a crisis? He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And what's so amazing about what he's saying there is when you look at the direct translation of of what it says, we we kind of uh, change it a little bit to make more sense in, in English. But what he's saying there is this, take heart, I am. That same I am that God speaks to Moses in a burning bush. The same I am that that led the people of Israel by uh, a pillar of fire by night and cloud by day. The same I am that fed them manna and quail in the desert. The same I am that parted the Red Sea so they could walk across. The same I am that collapsed the walls of Jericho that allowed them to start their entry into the promised land. The same I am is the one who's standing outside their boat saying, it's okay, I am. Jesus says this to the disciples out on the stormy waters. And as the kids would say today, it hit different. It hit different. Hearing him say that to them in that moment was transformational. The very thing that was causing their fear, that storm, it was under the feet of I am. In Isaiah 43, 2, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And, when, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. He is I am. And when the storms of life come, when the waves buffet us, he is with us. Even more so, in Job 9, 8, Job declares this. He says, Who alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea? It's none other than I am. No matter where you're at today, know that I am is standing on the waves, standing on that crisis, standing in that moment, saying that he is there for you. 
Jesus didn't need to part the sea at this moment. He was the creator of it all. He could walk on water. Authority in the scripture is often spoken about things being under our feet. In Luke 10, 19, it says this, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. What is it that's causing you fear, anxiety, or concern? Whatever it is, it is under the feet of Jesus. Whatever you need is found in I am, in who Jesus is today. So, so far we've looked at it and we see that, that leading in crisis, it requires vision. Leading in crisis requires authority. More so, leading in crisis requires leading in love. You see, when Peter hears that it's Jesus out there, the I am walking on the water and that he doesn't need to be afraid, how does he respond in that moment? Peter says this, we read it, and he says, Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. And he said to him, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately raised, reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And here's the thing. Peter walks on water. He walks on, literally walks on water. He steps out of the boat and starts walking towards Jesus. Now we don't know exactly how far Jesus was away, but we, we must figure that it was far enough away that they were trying to figure out who this figure was walking on the water. So it might not have been that close. So he's calling him out on the water and he's looking and he's looking back at the boat, back to Jesus. He sees the waves. He's walking on water. We can't forget that. He's actually doing that. He has that moment of faith and stepping out. But then he has a moment of vulnerability. His fear became greater than his faith. Man, did I ever feel that on that Thursday when, when the doctor was like, you fine, you good, this is fine, we can do this. We can give you the needle and go ahead and we'll just make a little incision and it'll be fine. And I was like, go for it, it'll be great. Let's deal with this. And then... My fear outgrew my faith. My fear outgrew my boldness in that moment. But watch what Jesus does for him. Jesus immediately reaches out his hand and takes hold of him. He immediately reaches out his hand and takes hold of him. Jesus is here for you today, immediately reaching out his hand to take hold of you. That no matter what the crisis or pressure moment you're going through, no matter whether you thought your faith and your boldness was enough to step out and keep walking, no matter what waves are coming against you, no matter if you've taken your eyes off Jesus and looked around you and said, I don't know if I can do this, when you call out to him, he's there and immediately his hand is there for you. And then, once Peter is safe, Jesus corrects with wisdom. Now, isn't it true as a leader, whether it's 
as just leading your family as a parent or in work or anywhere, our initial reaction is often to reverse those two things. And as a result, it's that people don't feel safe. They feel unsafe. Like when, like for instance, with me and my kids, if my kids are doing something dangerous and risky, uh, again, because I've done lots of dangerous and risky things in my past, I know some of the effects uh, and some of the results that could happen by risky behavior. And if I respond to their risky behavior or them getting hurt, and if I'm there, what were you thinking? Why did you do that? And, and my, my, my concern for them comes out as anger instead of uh, compassion. And it comes out as a correction rather than care. If I reverse those two things, I don't leave my child feeling any safer uh, in that moment. Instead, they feel like they have again disappointed me or let me down or not lived up to some expectation. To lead in crisis means to lead first in love, in compassion. To draw people to safety first and then bring correction with wisdom. Jesus does that loving, correct challenge again only when Peter is safe. So not only does leading in crisis require love, leading in crisis requires clarity. Because the correction that, that Jesus offers Peter is a challenge to put our faith not in a resource, but in the source. See, the boat, the boat that they were in, it wasn't enough to keep them safe from the storm. It wasn't going to be enough. Peter's boldness wasn't going to be enough to help him walk on water. He stepped out of the boat. He called out to Jesus in boldness. But the only thing that was going to keep him on top of the waves was Jesus. Jesus, only Jesus, would be enough. And with clarity, Jesus points to Peter's inner crisis. It wasn't the waves or the storm. It was his doubt that Jesus was enough. Jesus wants to remind us to put all of our faith in him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? There's so many times where we doubt who Jesus can be in our lives. And we're so fortunate to have a loving and compassionate Savior that knows that and constantly reaches out his hand to pull us back to him. Because remember this, this isn't the first storm that Jesus has calmed for the disciples. If you were to flip back in your Bible a couple of chapters, because we were reading this story from chapter 14 of Matthew. In chapter 8 of Matthew, the disciples woke Jesus up at the front of the boat because there was a storm that was going to capsize them. And he calms that storm. This isn't the first time Jesus has done something miraculous around them. They had just left the shore where he had fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. We can also remember that Peter is going to be the one on that day of Pentecost that we just, we just celebrated the other week to get out of the boat, to get out of that upper room and preach the gospel. And thousands became followers of Jesus that day. God is with us. And the faith that sometimes we lack, he builds up within us as we put our trust in him. Jesus, with vision, authority, love, and clarity, takes the storm and the imperfect actions of Peter. And they become a catalyst 
for worship. Because we read in Matthew 14, 33, that when they got back in the boat, the wind ceased. The storm went away. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. See, the leadership of Jesus in a crisis and the courage of Peter, they created this environment where worship of God, the worship of Jesus, is the outcome. And isn't that the heart of it all? The aim of it all? The goal of it all? That everything in our lives, including our vulnerabilities, including passing out in a doctor's office, including the healing hands of Jesus, including the environments that we find ourselves. All these things, aren't they all supposed to point us to Jesus and allow us to worship him when he works all things out for us? And not all things out in a pretty bow that, that can't be, uh, that, that, that everything works out perfectly for us in a fairy tale ending. But in the midst of everything, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of loss, that Jesus is still sitting on the throne. He was sitting on the throne yesterday. He's sitting on the throne today. And tomorrow, he'll be sitting on the throne still. Today, final word for us is this. That a crisis is often the breeding ground to reveal a hero or to see a hero come out of it. Think of every film that you watch, right? Every action film or true film or fiction film. There's always somebody that rises up to be the hero of the story. I think even of our children's stuff that we have in church, right? I, I can remember somebody called Larry Boy in these little VeggieTale videos. And he'd always have this line. He would say that he is that hero that is needed. We always are looking for the hero. And we often want to place ourselves as the hero in the story. Envision ourselves playing that role for others in crisis. What i got to say today is this. Don't absorb the glory that comes from stepping into crisis and helping people. Deflect that to Jesus. All we do is become a resource. Don't think that you are the source. We are a resource that God uses to help others through crisis, through pressure situations. We're not the hero. As followers of Jesus, life only has one hero, and it's him, Jesus. As his image bearers, we may lead, we may do heroic things from time to time where people look to us for inspiration and for moments and seasons, but it's Jesus that is the true hero. It's Jesus at the end of the day that needs to be truly worshipped. It's Jesus that people need to say, truly you are the Son of God. They don't need to look at us and declare anything about us. Because crisis reveals what in the calm is concealed. In it all, Jesus should be our lead, our focal point. Why? Because leading in crisis requires that vision. Leading in crisis requires authority. Leading in crisis requires love. And leading in crisis requires clarity. Together, in humility, let our, let's set our hearts to reflect the heart of Jesus and not absorb glory for ourselves. Because the ultimate aim after crisis is for Jesus to be seen for who he is and worshipped by all for who he is. So remember, whatever you need, 
Jesus says to you today, I am. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that no matter what crises we're going through, no matter what pressure we feel under, no matter what's going on in our lives, whether it's COVID or, or personal pressures or health concerns or family challenges, relational challenges, financial challenges, God, no matter what the pressure is, God, it reveals what's inside of us. It reveals what the calm and, and peacetime and, and the lack of pressure conceal. That God, sometimes what's inside of us is, is, is lacking or needs you to be there for us. Needs you to lead us through these moments. Needs your vision, your authority, your love, and your clarity to lead us through it. And so God, I just pray. That as a church, we'd look to you for our leadership. God, we'd remember that we are the body of Christ and you are the head of your church. That you lead us. God, I pray that even as your followers, God, as we look to lead our families and as we look to lead in our communities, as we look to, to reflect your image within our community, God, that we continually be pointing people to who you are that you are the I am. That while we can be a resource, we can continually point people to this source. God, wherever we are at today, whether there's somebody here today listening that has never called out to you in their, in their days, God, they've never called out to you to say, I need you, Jesus, to lead my life. And whether today they're reaching out to you and saying, Lord, save me. And they want to accept you as their Lord and Savior. God, we pray that they would do so in this moment. They would understand that you can be their I am. You can be the one that can save them from their crises. From, from the, the crisis of sin in our lives, God. God, for, for all of us who need you to be an I am for whatever moment of crisis, whatever moment of pressure we're going through. God, I pray that you would just be there. Immediately you would reach out your hand when we say, Lord, save us. Lord, help us. God, as we navigate through COVID, and as we look to, to lead well through this, God, may we look to how you lead us through crisis, to model that in our situations to model that in our communities, to model that in our Facebook chats, to model that everywhere we go, that we would lead in crisis well. God, we just thank you that we don't do this in our own strength. We do this by fully relying on who you are, by being obedient to you and allowing your spirit to lead us and guide us in all truth. And we pray this in your awesome name, Jesus. Truly you are the Son of God. Amen. Mm -hmm.